It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Welcome back to part two of our Developing Your Never-Ending Love Story. And um, we basically were talking about um, the, I think, the emotional leg as we ended up before. And I want to touch base on a couple of things that were in that leg. Uh, We did do the mental and Mm -hmm. the importance of continuing to share with uh, your partner as far as what you're learning and what you're feeling and you know that's part of the intellectual sharing and and Mm -hmm. stuffing stuff into that leg and if you're in school uh, maybe going back to graduate school or going back to college how Mm -hmm. fun yeah you know that you can come home and say oh my god I learned this today and so Doug and I are going to continue looking at how to fill those different legs of your Uh, never-ending love story to make sure that they are in balance with one another and we were talking about the emotional end of it in part one Um, I think the word vulnerability Mm. is an important one as we look at emotions because you and I both know that as you were growing up it was okay for uh, girls to cry and to show emotion and I don't know whether you heard this because um, I don't. Your dad, you know, was a really awesome uh, role model. It sounds like yeah. for you, but I would say the majority of boys hear that it's, you know, big boys don't cry, right? And that uh, as you continue to grow as a male, you know, like you can handle it, you can take it, you're tough. You know, those kinds of constructs that are going into the feeding of that young boy becoming a man. Mm -hmm. And girls, you can fall apart. (laughs) Right. You can cry. You can, you know, do any of those things emotionally. And it's perfectly okay. And so what happens when we get into then that relationship of spouse, you know, partner for life? Mm -hmm. Um, The male Part of it is I've got to be strong. I've got to handle this. I've got to go out and do my job. And the female part of it is I can be more emotional. Right. And is that what you found yourself? Yeah, it did. As I, I think um, <clears throat> one of the things that I had to do was redefine what strength was. And how did you go about doing that? Well, once again, um, nurturing other parts of it myself. Open, for instance... Um, you know, before I went into the military, I was an artist for a number of years. I got out of college and I did artwork. So I was tapping into some creative stuff. But, you know, it, it, was, it was okay. I grew up with, it was okay to have those kind of feelings. I'm not saying I was running around wanting to cry all the time. Mm-hmm. It's still, I'm mm-hmm. still, you know, you, you mm-hmm. hang out with the guys, you don't cry all the time, right? Right. Well, you, probably not. No, probably not. <laughs> not unless, <laughs> but... Later on, I realized that you know strength. <clears throat> back to resilience. Strength is not rigidity. In fact, you know we the typical um, metaphors here. You got the oak tree and the palm tree here in Florida, and uh-huh. the oak tree being strong and all this. Wind comes through, oak tree gets uprooted because it was too rigid, mm-hmm. and the palm tree doesn't because it was able to bend and go right. with the flow. Right. And so strength isn't about, it's, it's about flexibility, it's about flow, it's about allowing 
emotions that are appropriate to come out and be expressed. And we, you know, scientifically, we know now that tears themselves are a vehicle to release certain toxins that are produced mm-hmm. by these extreme mm-hmm. emotions. Mm-hmm. And if you're bottling that up, you're toxing yourself. You're toxic. You know, I'm gonna. I have not ever shared this. I don't think on any podcast. But you bring up a very valid point. And this was a study that was done probably 40 or more years ago, where they actually began to analyze tears. And I don't know whether you know the study, but they put people with onions that would make them cry. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, pulled the tears mm-hmm. from those individuals and analyzed them. And it was just saline mm-hmm. solution. That's all it was. Right. Um, whereas in a situation where they were watching a movie mm-hmm. that was, uh, you know, really challenging, mm-hmm. you know, maybe on an emotional level, mm-hmm. they analyzed those tears. And you're correct. They were toxic. And if they took those tears and injected them into a mouse, hmm. the mouse died. Okay, now I didn't know that part of the study. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, wow. I mean, I need more set, be said. <laughs> I mean, no, but when, you, when you, you start to have an intellectual understanding of that, then you mm-hmm. realize, you know, we, and we, we cry in grief. We cry in, in sublime beauty when mm-hmm. we're experiencing this. And so, anger. And anger, um, frustration, all these kinds of things that happen. There's a, a, a African a woman from an Af- African village, uh, I saw a video and she was a storyteller Mm -hmm. and she was talking about growing up in the village and she was talking about tears and she said and this was for men and women alike and she said when someone died or there was a loss it was not just appropriate it was almost like required that people emoted they they got dramatic with their Mm -hmm. crying and their wailing and everything Mm -hmm. we've seen this in other cultures and when someone loses someone and they didn't cry Ah. everybody in the village got kind of nervous because they said that's gonna that that person's toxic now right. and and it's gonna come out in some dysfunctional way somehow right. and the reality is is that that's exactly what happens and not only you're the you're the mouse dying mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. going to it's going to vent in a distorted way right or it's gonna it implode you right so vulnerable we think that that's being vulnerable mm-hmm. we, we read oh that crying is oh how weak in reality it's it's detoxing yourself mm-hmm. because the emotion's going to be there. It what is. are you doing with it? Right. Are you letting it come out appropriately, or are you going to suppress it? And what I what I've seen, and um, I think there's a lot, even with PTSD, um, I think there's a lot of suppressed emotions that because things that happened in, in extreme circumstances, and people walk away from PTSD with PTSD, and you you're the ones tell me on this. This mm-hmm. is my sense of it mm-hmm. is. They have not appropriately processed experiences. Right. They had to keep driving on. Right. For whatever reason, whatever the event was, and they haven't appropriately dealt with it. Right. And it becomes toxic. Well, and what happens almost 100% of the time is that we all have our weak links. Mm -hmm. You know, they're genetically with us from multiple generations and and in some generations it might be you're more prone to cardiovascular disease or cancer or something but for a person who has a PTSD experience it might be an accident it might be war it might be trauma Mm -hmm. injuries in sports you know our football heroes but when you have that injury the trauma itself goes to your weakest link. So wherever that weakest link is, and it might be for some individuals, even, you know, their digestive tracts, 
you know, so they end up with irritable irritable bowel syndrome or, Mm -hmm. you know, something along those lines. And if you begin to address what you've not processed, then that particular illness can go away. Well, interesting, and I know we're kind of going down a science thing here, but this mm-hmm. is, goes back to touch and it goes back mm-hmm. to things I learned as a body worker mm-hmm. is that, and I think most everybody's probably familiar with Deepak Chopra. Yes. Okay. And his initial claim to fame is he co-published a, a study um, ha- having to do with uh, how memories, emotional content gets stored chemically. Uh-huh. through neurotransmitters in, in the tissues. Uh-huh. And unprocessed stuff has a home in it the does. tissues, it a does. chemical yeah. home. Yeah. And uh, what I found both in uh, doing body work, and I found it actually with, in working with teaching people yoga where the body starts to open up. And there's no, it's not, it, it, they have these releases, these emotional releases, because that stuff didn't get processed. Uh-huh. And so it just resides in the tissues. And sometimes I've had many people cry on the massage table, not because I hurt them, Right, but you released it. Yeah, but just releasing a, a, a muscle all of a sudden. And w- there wasn't a one-for-one correlation. It wasn't like, oh, he released my neck and I had a lot of up there because my dad always used to grab my neck and shake me. No, mm-hmm. it wasn't. It could be a calf. It could be a, a thigh muscle. It could be whatever, back muscle. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that those things are in there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of redefining strength is, no, I'm... I need a way to cleanse myself of this stuff. I need mm-hmm. to and to move on. That's part of resilience. Crying when you you know, whatever emoting, allowing that to to, to be pro, to uh, process and being vulnerable. Back to your original question too is vulnerability isn't just about that. It's um, about being part of intimacy. Is is feeling free mm-hmm. and safe to share your thoughts and your emotions. Right. You want to go, be in a safe place. Right. And, and if you're not in that safe place, if you don't feel that you can do that, that's one of those legs that is going to be very difficult. It's going to be for, really hard. Yeah, to, to fill because you're always going to be on guard. You're always going to think, no, I, I can't because, and you'll come up with, you know, because they won't understand, because they'll make fun of me, because I'll get teased. You know, I mean, it'll, it'll be so many different reasons why you'll get to the edge and then stop. Exactly. And, and if you're just not secure in yourself of who you are, mm-hmm. you know, and secure in yourself, you know, whether you're a guy says, well, what does it really mean to be a man? Mm-hmm. What does it really mean to be a woman? Mm-hmm. You know, where did we get those definite? I mean, how did we define that? Where did we get that? You know, back to our constructs yep. and our rants and chants. It's yep. like, well, a real man does this, a real woman does that. And then, of course, that that becomes a soup. Right. And, and you know, it's, it's so sad in a way because... I mean, we don't have a choice as to where we're born, mm-hmm. what family we come into. And so then it's up to us as a child, male or female, to keep determining, is this something I want to believe in? Do I want to believe that I cannot be sensitive because I'm a guy? Yep. Or I can't be tough because I'm a female? Right. Um, you know, do I have to go down this path? I mean, when I was looking at college, there weren't as many options. Sure. And so it was teaching, it was nursing, it was, you know, not that many people went into science per mm-hmm. se, um, but there were given avenues that were okay, right. and that was where you went, unless you were inheriting your parents' business for some reason. Right. And guys, you know, had maybe a lot more options, um, but they didn't traditionally go into maybe art, they didn't traditionally go into nursing. 
um, you know, they might go into being a physician well, before ironic, they would do a nurse. Ironically, the guys mm-hmm. were channeled into things that were cerebral. Mm-hmm. Women were channeled into things that were heart-directed. Exactly. And, and this is where the imbalance, because we're all a combination of both. Exactly. Exactly. And, but we didn't realize it. We didn't realize it. We didn't, yeah, didn't want to acknowledge it. You know, I think the word trust comes up, too. Yes. Yeah. I think one of the things is that if you don't, you know, it, it's a really important thing in a relationship to um, establish trust early on. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like a reputation. You know, it takes a lifetime to build, but it takes 30 seconds to ruin it. To ruin it, right. So it, it, it's an ongoing um, process. And if, and if trust gets violated in some way, that's a, yeah, that's a big place for communication. Well, one of the probably the easiest ways to violate trust, you know, is dishonesty. You know, if, if the partners, if the couple, you know, have been found to be dishonest with one another, yep. infidelity being one yeah. of the big ones out there, then it takes years. You know, it's not something like, well, you know, this is why it happened and now it's been discovered and now we're over it and we'll move on. No, it takes a long time for either party, it whether it's been male or female, to rebuild, like, can I trust you? I agree. I, I agree. You know, it's one of the things that when I first got married, um, I was already a massage therapist when my wife and I got married. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I would take my massage at the time I was mobile. I would take my massage table and go to work. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so the first thing you think, of, okay, I'm married, uh, you know, I'm a massage therapist. Boy, what a great boon, you know, for our relationship, blah, blah, blah. And, I, and other people would say that to me. And I said, you know, no, because I foresaw what was going to happen, right. or could happen. Could happen. Is that every time I put my wife on the massage table, I treated her as if she were a regular patient. Ah. Uh-huh. And I, I draped her the same way with no funny business on the massage table. And, and I said from the very beginning, the massage table is sacred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said because what's going to happen, one time we take advantage of that massage table that way, I'm going to pick up that same table and go to work. Or and go she's going to be thinking... thinking that's the, that's the, yeah. uh, you know, that's the Kiss table. Kiss of death. That's the, that, that's like, you know, and the, buying a new table ain't going to help. <laughs> no, it and, wouldn't. And, you know, telling the truth, by the mm-hmm. way, just, just very, honesty is very hard, but it's very important. And mm-hmm. one of the things that, um, the interesting thing I've, I realized, kind of postscript, is that humans are hardwired for truth. Mm-hmm. It's, in fact, for seven years of my military time, I had to take a lie detector test every year. Mm. And and I I wasn't making the connection between lying and what was actually going on there, but they were of course you know we were, we had classified information so they wanted to make sure we weren't working we weren't working for the enemy that was really why I had to take but the lie detector test is worked on the premise and it works on the premise that when you tell a lie you go into the stress mode because you know we're just we're not wired. Mm-hmm. To lie, unless you're pathological. If there's a mental, if there's some, you know, some mental disease mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you know there are people who are pathological that, that, that they don't the know the truth. They don't know what the truth is. <laughs> yes, that's true. And I thought, oh my god. And I was I was in a job where I was lying every day for my job. For your job. <laughs> and I was trained to do it. And I was, and I got, you know, you know, I got pat on the back and, you know, like, good job. So was there ever a time when you got out of the military where there was maybe a couple of years where you wondered if you were being truthful with yourself or not? 
oh, I think you have to, of course you have to, yeah, it was like, well, who am I? Well, I don't know, I got five different IDs here with different names, same picture, who am I? Mm-hmm. It was it was almost comic at first, but yeah, <laughs> it, the whole the whole thing was, you know, the first place you got to be honest with is with yourself. Right. In fact, it's one of the it's one of the uh, basic foundational teachings in yoga is satya. Satya is a Sanskrit word means truthfulness. Truthfulness. The first rule of the road is don't hurt anybody. Don't hurt yourself first. Mm-hmm. The second one is is truthfulness. Mm-hmm. The first person you don't lie to is yourself. Right. Because if you lie to yourself, you're wired to lie to other people. Right. If you're wired to harm yourself, you're a lot more likely to harm others. Harm others, right. So the first person we have to work on is, you know, be, be honest with yourself. Right. And it's amazing how many times, and again, I've heard this over and over in a therapy session, that either and maybe both of the partners are lying to themselves and lying to one another because they don't want something to change or they don't want to look at it for what it really is. And so they'll come up with all of these reasons why it is the way it is in order to solidify their reasoning. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've seen that as well. Oh, sure, sure. And you maybe know. you did it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So we were saying these, I think you have to, you have to learn to get naked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, I mean, you do. I think before you take your clothes off right. in a relationship. But right. yeah, I mean, that's the intimacy. And then that's the trust there, too. Is that one of the appeals? Um, I have a friend, and um, he loves to be in nudist colonies. You know, I mean, he, he belongs to different ones. And I'm wondering if that's part of the appeal, in a way, is that when you take your clothes off, it's like Barbara Bush years ago said, what you see is what you get. And so even though sometimes it's not very pretty, it, it is real. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that is part of the vulnerability is, like you said, you, you have to take your clothes off before you really get to know somebody. Yep. Uh, they have to be willing to walk around with nothing on. Yeah. Um, and then you know who they are. Well, and it's a great equalizer. Because no one is, you, you don't know how much money that person has. You don't know. That's true. You don't know, you know, you can't, what are you going to judge on? Basically, you, what you see is what you get. What you, know? you see is what you get. It's, I think it's a, it's a sense of freedom, I, I guess, I, I assume. And that goes back to um, the sense of humor yep, that you, you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so I, think, I think especially as I get older, you've got... I, when, I, when I was younger, I took myself way too seriously, mm. you know. And I think as you get older and, you know, things start, your body starts to change and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you have to be able to sit back and laugh at yourself a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. And also we were talking about one of the traits that women that have been surveyed seem to be one of the top three traits they look for in a man. A man is a sense of humor. Right. And it's not, like you said, Don, it's not a Don Rickles sense of humor. It's not a, a class clown but it type of thing. But it's a sense of humor, which means you're okay. Even, and this is part of resilience, mm-hmm. is that, you know, when everything looks like it's falling apart, you can sit back and kind of chuckle a little bit. Right. And you know, and you and that shows confidence that you're, the circumstances are not threatening your sense of yourself. Right. And, you know, as you move towards, you know, this next leg that we're going to look at in a second, you know, it's the physical intimacy leg. Yeah. So if you don't have a sense of humor after the age of like, what, 30 or your first baby as a female, yeah. your body's not going to go back to exactly what it was pre-baby. Yeah. And just ask my wife. She keeps saying to me, Dad, Doug, you're not, 
you're not 20 anymore. It's usually when I'm trying to do something, you know, mm-hmm. you know cut a limb off a tree or something. I she says, let's get somebody else to do that. You're not 20 anymore. And I thought, oh, well, I thought I was. Well, we. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't want to give up on that you don't virility, that right. muscular right. statue of who I was. Right. And so yeah. you have to, you're redefining who you are. Mm-hmm. Not really. You're redefining where you are in life. And it's okay. It's okay. It's an evolutionary process. Absolutely. And it's evolutionary. It's, it's, it's a growth thing. It's mm-hmm. part of growing and getting developing a, a little bit of a, don't take yourself so seriously. And then you can get naked. And what's, what's the worst they're going to see? What's the worst thing that's going to happen that other people are going to see? Well, right. if, you, if you're used to being that, right. then right. it's like, you, the the nudist colony metaphor is used as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the first time, like, oh, there's I can't let anybody see, and right. all of a sudden you realize nobody cares. Well, and you know, just in discussions with this particular person, I I remember him saying that pretty soon you don't see the body anymore. You know, you see the heart. You you hear words, um, you know, that are interesting or entertaining because now you're really listening you're not looking at the suit you're not looking at the shoes you're not looking at anything other than maybe what you're hearing with your ears and i i still say every, every all those things that we put on ourselves mm-hmm. to communicate to others who we think we are i wear my clothes certain clothes it's a certain this certain shoes certain car you drive all those kinds of things uh, jewelry whatever it is we these are layers of identity mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we're you know, our culture sells us. And that's how they make a business. And that's how they make businesses. I'm, gonna say, I'm not knocking the businesses, but I'm just saying that we, you have to get naked, be able to comfortably get naked and be, if you're, if the two of you are laughing with each other, not mm-hmm. at each other, right. you're good to go. Right. So, you know, like maybe as a recap in this one area of emotional, because it's going to bleed right over mm-hmm. into the physical intimacy part, is validating one another, you know, letting your partner know that you love them as they are you know their 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 bodies their minds their sense of humor you know that you appreciate who they are so they're not maybe constantly trying to live up and measure up to some construct that was way back when and it's still a part of them and then embracing those imperfections you know because we've all got them and certainly as we age you know, they appear more and more. I mean, the brown spots that, you know, say, hey, you're getting older, um, they're there well, and the, they're just visible. Well, the interesting thing is, is that we, I think it's very hard for humans to love perfect. Mm. It's, and I, anything that looks perfect, especially when it's, you know, if you've a digitally enhanced human per, a face or a body or whatever, there's something, we sense it, it it's I, it's hard to love. It's hard to feel empathy or compassion with something that's picture perfect. Right. Well, you know what? When you go to art galleries, and we were talking mm-hmm. about Italy, but when you go to galleries with the old art in mm-hmm. it, uh, go down to Ringling's Museum, mm-hmm. um, voluptuousness yeah. was curvy. Yeah. It wasn't like super skinny legs and super right. skinny waistlines. Right. It was the fact that they valued... They had more to eat, you know. Well, that was a and sign so, of having, yeah, we weren't having money. Before. Yeah, money. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, you know, that's a part of it. We are, I think one of the things in that is that just an interesting phenomenon where we judge ourselves and we judge each other in ways that we don't judge anything else in nature. 
That's true. If you look at a tree, mm-hmm. you ever look at a tree and go, you know, I really think this tree would look better if it had the limb over here <laughs> and that that bark wasn't quite that color. Mm-hmm. And, or have you ever looked at a, you know, a, an animal in the wild and say, hey, dude, I think you need to go to the gym and lose a few pounds. <laughs> right. Because we accept nature as it is and we're manifest, you know, where do we belong? We're, we're part of nature, but yet we're judging each other on what? And how did that happen? You know, how did that idea that you had to be perfect? And what is perfect? Right. How do you define it? How do you define perfect? And this, and I think this goes back to marketing, but that's all another discussion. Yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, imperfections are actually, are they imperfections? Mm-hmm. Based on what? I mean, you can re- refine. It says, well, I'm, I'm not perfect. My hair isn't perfect. Or my, my, my right knee is not perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, what does a perfect knee look like? Mm-hmm. How do you know? Mm-hmm. How do you know? Maybe we've been... We've had, you know, like you said, back in the you know, 1700s, 1600s, the Rubenesque body, that mm-hmm. more voluptuous body, was perfect mm-hmm. compared to another paradigm from, you know, the body. The twiggy one. The twiggy one, you mm-hmm. know, or you, you know. So it's always, what are you marrying that up to? I think if we can it, it just lighten up on that and because we're always changing. So social media, in a way through marketing yeah and now it's through other kinds of social media has always tried to show us what we should and i I would put that in quotes be striving for and they keep changing it yeah because that's marketing it's well you have to you have to change the rules Mm -hmm. but what if it it is maybe in our gut back to Mm -hmm. the gut knowing Mm -hmm. it's the imperfections that make us perfect it's the imperfections that are really attractive well and Not, allowed us to be loved. Right. And, I, and I'm also thinking right now that it's the imperfections within a given couple. I mean, not all couples are going to be ideal for each other. We're not all exactly the same. And so recognizing the imperfections and valuing them and being able to validate them with that person um, helping them see that you love them for who they are, not who they could be, but who they are. Yeah, it's the, the joke the woman getting married says, honey, I love you just the way you are, now change. <laughs> and, right. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. are we trying to change the other person? That's a, that's a whole other thing is that I'm waiting mm-hmm. for them to, to change and they're not, people are not going to change. Right. They can change behaviors. They can change behaviors, but, uh, but who they are at their core is, is going to stay the same. Right. And behaviors are always a choice, you know. I mean, I've had, again, you know, in 35 years of counseling, I've had both males and females say, well, that's just who I am. I'm not going to change. Well, that is a choice. That's a choice that you're making, and you're making that as a statement. And if that is true, then no, the relationship will never work because you're choosing not to collaborate, not to maybe compromise. Yep. You're, you want it your way. And male or female will say, well, yeah, that's what I want. And I'm like, well, then the session is over because I can go no further with you if you're not willing to look at options. There has to be always options if you want to get from where you are to where you think you want to go. Right. Right, and I think compromise goes back to compromise again is a, is a word that we don't like to hear. It sounds like we're we're losing something, uh-huh, uh-huh. but compromise. There's I can't imagine any successful business deal, any successful victory in any or, or accomplishment did it, in, in, it, in, it required compromise uh-huh. to get results. Right. 
Well, as we pull into the physical leg, the, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. and we're going to say the physical is, you know, it's really emotional. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's going to bleed over. I mean, if you haven't filled that emotional leg, if you haven't looked at the mental leg a little bit, you know, now we're getting into a three-legged stool yeah. or a three-legged, it'd be better to be a stool. But um, at this point, intimacy is part of that because we bring our physical bodies to an intimate level in a relationship. And again, um, with 35 years of being a therapist, I heard over and over again, well, I just want her to be more physical in the bedroom with me. I'm mm. not getting enough sex. Mm. And yet what we're really talking about is intimacy, it, you know, the sexuality mm-hmm. part of it, maybe last for most couples between 10 and 15 minutes and then it's done mm-hmm. and if it's if they're younger then for guys it's much less than that mm-hmm. so it's a matter of how do we move the relationship into something that truly is intimate you know at that mm-hmm. point and um, there are some factors you know as we age and even as we're younger you know that go into creating a um, Inhibiting, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. uh, reason why the physical slash intimacy doesn't occur. And, you know, one of those obviously is health. That um, at any age, if you're not healthy, then it's going to be very difficult to have a intimate relationship. But it doesn't mean you can't be close to one another. Right. Um, stress, you know. Yeah, that's the elephant in the living room, I think. Yeah. Especially like these days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for so many, it's job stress. Yep. Um, but financial stress, even mm-hmm. if you've got a good job, if, you know, the financial end of things isn't where you want it to be. So that's going to be a factor. Um, maybe feeling that your spouse isn't supporting, you know, anything about you. That's stressful. So you come home. I mean, I have known families where the guy comes home or the gal comes home and there's drugs, there's alcohol. There's family members that are uh, creating issues in mm-hmm. the family. And so they don't even want to go in the front door because they don't know what's inside mm-hmm. waiting for them. So, you know, you've got that as a stress factor. Um, the poor self-concept, we've touched on that a mm-hmm. little bit. But if you look in the mirror and you're over the age of, let's say, 50, and you go, I'm not attractive anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have sex appeal. Um, I, you know, don't bring any of my A-game anymore. I mean, some sort of mindset that says the self-concept isn't what it needs to be. And then these constructs, you know, again, um, for a lot of families, and and you and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but, you know, there are religions all across the world that if being intimate was all about procreation, then we became intimate because we wanted to create a child, a life. And once you go past childbearing ages, then that's supposed to stop. You know, and now, you know, we laughingly said, okay, you can go into woodworking or painting (laughs) or, you know, gardening or something else with your time, but, uh, and your creativity, but it's not going to be in the bedroom anymore because you've done your job. So all of those are, are factors um, and then I, you and I both know that intimacy 
from a female's point of view more than a male's usually, but some males, um, that it's used as a weapon. You know, if you're not going to give me what I want, mm. whatever that might be, mm. then you're not going to get what you want. No. And so all of a sudden, you know, there are months that go by and they haven't had any hugging, any kissing, and certainly not anything in the bedroom. It's used as currency. It is. It is and yeah. so, you know, that yeah. is another, you know, issue there. And certainly the um, concept of um, humor you know, hmm. allows maybe some of that to get erased if they had humor from the emotional leg and they can pull yeah. that over yeah. into yeah. the intimacy leg. Absolutely. Well, you know, trust, mm-hmm. sent, you know, lighten up on yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if you are if you can be light on yourself, then the, your partner is going to think, well, that he can, if he can laugh at himself, he can certainly accept this in me. Right. You know, right. and he's not going to be judging me. I think we, I think we won't want to be judged. We're so afraid of judgment right right and uh, and maybe that goes back again to you know that family of origin kind of stuff that there was a teacher there was a parent there was somebody in an early age that judged that you you weren't measuring up and so there's that wound that's there for the rest of your life until you decide to heal it i see a lot of that Mm -hmm. i saw you know in down to you know women i think women suffer from the physical part of that judgment, mm-hmm. I think historically, at least in my lifetime, more than guys. Although guys have things that physically they're supposed to be. Right. But women, it's it's a much more, it's a harsher uh, well, and tighter. I think it has been. You know, your waist right. has to be a certain thing. I mean, why do we have so many people chasing their youth? And more women are worrying about putting on a, cu- a couple extra pounds right. than guys. Right. Guys, you know, just laugh and go, oh, it's all muscle, you know, they pat their gut or something. Right, and, right. Um, and I think that that has a lot, That I think that's a big block in, in intimacy. Well, I grew up with, you know, Hustler Magazine, Playboy Magazine, you know, they, I don't think they're even on the stands anymore, are they? Probably. I haven't seen any, but, um, but they used to always be, you know, uh, at magazine racks. And so, you know, my dad had them. I'm sure maybe your dad. No, he didn't. Okay, he was one of the few guys who didn't. My uncle used to have them. And I can remember as a little girl when I was visiting my cousin, she would have a couple of his Playboy magazines under her bed. And we were maybe like 10, 11 years old Mm -hmm. and thought that was how we were supposed to look. Well, sure. And so you have, again, that construct of I need to have big boobs, I need to have this and that and the other thing. i got to look a certain way. Right. And, yeah, and I think we probably have the the 21st century equivalent, of course, is going to be media, social media, whether it's, you know, actors on on a screen. Kim Kardashian. (laughs) Yeah, you got that, or you've got pornography, and you've got all these Mm -hmm. other things that are giving you messages of of what it's supposed to be. Right. And it's probably much more damaging to the younger folks because they're just establishing what, what are the rules of the game here? Right. You know, what are people supposed to do? You know, what are we, what are the expectations in the, in this intimacy arena? Right. And I think it's, you know, it. You don't see as many love stories. No, you don't. You see a lot more sexual content. Right. So you see, there's a, and probably sexual violence, probably a lot more of that too. Yeah. I mean, you have, um, if you're going, well, we haven't been going to movie theaters for a while because no. of COVID, but the movies that have been released, um, except for a very few, you know, are still 
probably the superheroes where there's a fair amount of violence. Yeah. And, um, you know, not just the, the movies that made you feel good. When you left yeah. the theater, you went, you know what, that was a feel-good movie. We don't see that too much anymore. No, and I don't, I, yeah, and I think it's, you know, whatever, it's a reflect, societal reflection. Mm-hmm. But uh, even in, in, I, in my businesses, I mean, I've seen, you know, people getting older and trying to chase the youth and, and you know, they're and doing all these things and, Creating more and more stress, and I think that puts a big wedge mm-hmm. in the in the bedroom for most people. And and not just intimacy is not just in the bedroom. We talked about that earlier. You know, there's need for touch. There is and and trust and all those other things. And then then the rest of it flows. Right, because if you had trust, let's yeah. use that one, and you knew that intimacy didn't necessarily need to end in a sexual act right but that you could go to bed with one another and just hold each other sure. and just feel like he's not going to need mm-hmm. you know to go mm-hmm. beyond this you know for an older man that maybe is using blood pressure medication mm. all right so now he can't have an erection mm. and so a lot of the of dialogue and it's an internal dialogue is I don't want to go there as a female because it'll make him feel bad. And for him, it's I don't want to go there as a male because I can't do what she wants me to do. And if they would just hold each other, then they would accomplish everything that they needed for intimacy and for connection. And one of the things that I want to point out, and then we're going to be doing a part three Mm -hmm. to go into a conclusion here with physicality, intimacy, and spirituality, which is not religion. It's a connection to a higher source. But I heard the most amazing little conversation with a doctor from Germany Mm. who was a, she's a female, and she's a sex therapist in Germany. And one of the things that she said, and I kind of want to leave you know, our audience with this mm-hmm. in mind, is that desire for one another is about creativity. You're only limited by how creative you are. And I realized as a writer and as an artist, and I'll bet you kind of can be there too, is that I create a scene. I create it in the bedroom mm. with lights. Mm. I create it with candles. I create it with words. Yep. And so if you can kind of use your senses, so you've got touch, you've got, I mean, whether it's kissing or stroking or caressing or anything with your hands, um, but you've got that. You can give one another a massage. You can use your voice to create a scene. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be words um, that are anything other than, you know, we're out in nature, we're walking mm-hmm. through nature, we decide to lay down on a bed of leaves. It's like a guided it, visualization. It, it is, it is, and you, but you do it in the bedroom. So mm-hmm. her point was that our desire for one another needs to have an element of mystery, mm-hmm. and it needs to have an element of creativity, and so we're only limited with how creative we want to be. And maybe you want to talk about that for a second before we end. I, I can only say I agree. I think that, uh, you know, I've read or heard somewhere is that, you know, the, the most powerful um, organ of sexuality is, is the mind. Is the mind. And so there, in a, in a funny way, in a way, we started yeah. out with the mental. Yeah. In that respect, we can come 80% from our hearts. Mm-hmm. But we need to involve 
the intellect, the mental creative process that's going to come through the heart. Right. But nevertheless, it's going to be there. Or the heart comes through the mind. Or the heart comes through the mind because there is that obviously. Yeah. Come. And so, you know, it it's such fun to kind of think about it along those lines. Instead of, all right, it's the end of the day and we're going to go to bed and we're going to have sex, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Now it becomes, it's the end of the day or maybe it's in the afternoon and you decide, or maybe it's morning, you know, and you decide that you're going to have a little adventure together. Sure. And the adventure becomes a creative outlet of starting your day or, you know, doing something romantic, like I said, in the afternoon or concluding your day on a positive note that may or may not lead to the actual act itself. Mm. But I think you said earlier, you know, it's something that is progression. And so maybe you know that you're not going to have enough time until Mm. the weekend, but you progressively get there by sharing and by listening to one another and by being compassionate and being vulnerable and all these things we've been talking about, you're filling the legs. And the process is like reading a good book, a good novel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The good novels, you, you can't wait to get to the next chapter. Exactly. Because the book's not over. Right, right. So, you know, the, the whole week can be a, like reading a novel and one, one, ch- one day is chapter one. I can't wait till next chapter right, two, right. et cetera, et cetera. There's um, Dan Brown. You've read mm-hmm, his books. Mm-hmm. I love the way he writes because the chapters are short. Yeah. Um, but there is a rhythm to his chapters. Yeah. And the anticipation of what's happening next is very, very palpable. And so when you read his books, I always get to the end of the chapters, you know, saying I'm just going to read one more. Yeah. I get to the end of that chapter and I go, oh my God, I got to see what's going to happen. And because I know they're not 30 page chapters, I can read one more. And that is maybe the note we want to leave everybody on is build your never ending love story like you would build a book. You know, make wonderful chapters, be filling these legs and we're going to continue with the physical and the uh spiritual part of the two legs you know in uh, part three uh, we hope we <laughs> truly hope that you're enjoying listening to both myself and to Doug and of course um, you're going to be able to see our backgrounds and uh, read more about us and who we are uh, on the website but uh, we hope that uh, this program is enlightening and certainly will help you build that never-ending love story in your life. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in for part three. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.